We'll begin this morning with chanting the Refuges and Precepts. And I have a few extra copies of that sheet if there's anyone who who is missing one, who needs one. You can come, come grab one. Hopefully not more than three or four of you. If uh, we run out and you don't have one, just follow along. Uh, oh, there's a few more here. Thank you. And uh, while we're getting these passed out, uh, just another word or two about those of, for those of you who may be interested in taking the, uh, adding the sixth, seventh, and eighth precept on. Um, This can be really a support to one's practice. It can be a great thing, and it's just not for everybody. And for some people, it's really not a good idea. So uh, we can sometimes have the sense, oh, well, if if I'm a real yogi, real renunciate, I'll I'll take this on and I'll skip the evening meal. And uh, I really want to... urge you to let go of holding it in that way. It can be great. If you're interested, check it out. Definitely. Do sign up on the board if you haven't done so already, if you're going to take the eight precepts. But it's in no way um, some, some indication of your um, being a better yogi because you're doing it. And as Annie said yesterday, really to look at one's motivation behind making that choice. But it can be a great thing to do. So we'll do it all together rather than uh, any kind of call and response. Um, I think we can, we can just go through them together. So those of you who are just on five precepts, um, let the rest of us do the, the last three, and then we'll come back all together for the aspiration uh, at the end. And just one more word. This is, this is not a small thing we do, undertaking these precepts, whether five or eight. And we can sort of go through this chanting in kind of a, a rote way. Oh, well, it's what we're doing this morning. And really bear in mind what we're saying when we're doing this. It's incredibly powerful not only as the foundation for our practice, but as an offering to the world, this orientation around non-harming, this intention to not not intentionally add to the suffering in the world. It's an incredible offering that we make. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bodang Saranga Chami Dhammang Saranga Chami Sanghang Saranga Chami Dutiampi Bodang Saranga Chami 
Dutti Tatiampi Sanghang Saranang Chami Panati Pata Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Adina Dhana Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Abramacharya Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Musavada Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Sura Meraya Majapamadatana Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Vikala Bhojana Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Nacha Gita Vadita Visukadasana Malaganda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanathana Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Ucha Sayana Mahasayana Ve Ramani Sikha Padang Samadhyami Idame Silam Magapalanyanasa Pachayo Hotu Let's say sadhu three times now. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Well spoken indeed. Notice the energy in the body, in the mind, in the heart from the chanting. May feel that reverberation. Notice it reverberating in the mind. Feel it as an energy field in the body, perhaps. coming into stillness now, stillness and simplicity, perhaps using the words, there is a body or there is body, just to connect with the simplicity of knowing that as a frame for our experience. actually say these words in the mind. There is body, body sitting. Mind is knowing that. 
have to make that knowing happen, do we? The awareness of body sitting, the mind knows sitting, the posture. We can come back to this frame of there is a body, there is body. Not as a a mantra we would repeat, but as a reminder once in a while. Can come to that degree of simplicity, that direct connection. Take a moment now as we begin this period of sitting meditation. Notice if there's any mood in the mind. Maybe we woke up with a mood, grumpy, grumpiness, interest, happy, light mind, sadness, Something maybe not so obvious, just a sort of pervading mood. Not that we do anything about it, but we know what's there. Just to know there is this filtering, like a filter for our perception coloring the way we see things often goes unseen. Now go looking for something that isn't, doesn't show itself. Just a checking in. It's the quality of the mind and the heart right now. We can know that. Within this experience of body, then, this flow of sensations changing flux, pressures and tensions and movement. You may notice the movement of the breath within this experience of body. Light touching sensations at the nostrils. Rising, falling at the abdomen or chest. This life force, the breath, entering, leaving the body, it's doing itself. Let it do that. You may notice if it's long or short, coarse or fine.
awareness of in-breath, out-breath, long-breath, short-breath. Noticing the beginning, middle, the ending of an in-breath. Beginning, the middle, the ending of the out-breath. Letting the breath bring calm to the body. Calming the bodily formation, breathing in, breathing out. Perhaps making a light mental note, in, out. Rising, falling, this whisper in the mind helping us to connect with this experience. (coughs) Sounds arise within this frame of knowing body sitting, take the attention from the breath hearing. It's contact at the ear door, the mind knowing that hearing arises. Hearing. They become aware of thoughts. Planning thoughts or remembering memories. May realize we've been lost in thought. We come out of that reverie, awareness of thinking. We can name it thinking. It may be just disappearing don't stick around for us to look at them usually. And name it anyway if it helps us to connect with that. See what happens. Thinking. Thinking arises. There's knowing of that. It's just simple. Checking the relationship to that experience. There's any judging, feeling shouldn't be happening, don't want it, wrong, 
maybe liking of a, a pleasant thought. You may notice the pleasant feeling in the mind in relation to that experience. Liking. Wanting. Hating. Resistance. We can know these experiences just as they are. If we meet them with awareness, it's just another object. It's not a problem. There's nothing that arises that's inherently a problem. Nothing in this flow of our life that's inherently a problem if we bring awareness to it. We can let it just be as it is. You don't have to control it. You don't have to fix anything. Seeing if we can find a quality of friendliness right within this flow of experience and our willingness to meet it. Right with that willingness, that caring for our life, caring for the moment, by being willing to meet it just as it is. Right in that there is this quality of a kind of friendliness. a care, a kindness. We meet the experience with this quality of care. Care about this. Care about my life. So there's this flow of our life. It's just nature. It's nature unfolding moment by moment, nature manifesting in this body and mind, in this heart right now. It's all unfolding naturally. Let it do its thing. It's going to do it anyway. Just let it do its thing. Then we show up. We can anchor the attention when that's helpful. Body sitting, hands touching, movement of the breath, experience of hearing, the frame, there is a body. Using that to help us 
connect, help us to come back. And we just let nature unfold. Nothing we have to do about it. Nothing we have to get. Nothing we have to get rid of. No one we have to be. It's just the nature of things. Meeting it with care, kindness, with this beautiful quality of awareness. It's a miracle, really, this mind knowing. always keeping it simple.
often in the winter time, I uh, spend some period of time in in uh, the Sagaing Hills of Upper Burma over the last 15 years. Not every year, but I, I go there often. I've been helping with the retreat and working with some small aid projects there. And uh, one of the things I love to do is visit people who've uh, become friends and inspiring teachers over the years. There's one a very old monk that uh, my friends, my colleagues and I lo- love to visit. We, we even, he has the nickname, the Happy Sayadaw. <laughs> He'd be about 99 now, still going strong. Last time I saw him, he's, he's, he's just like a walking skeleton. He's so thin. And he had gone out an invitation to go uh, do some chanting and receive a meal somewhere. And we'd gone to see him, and he wasn't there, but then he was just arriving. And <laughs> these monks were helping him up the stairs. And they were, he was, his feet weren't touching the ground. He was kind of, they were just, they were just paddling through the air. <laughs> He's kind of like flying up the stairs. <laughs> Everywhere there is a lot of stairways. It's very hilly. He's very endearing. But he's been in robes since he was 12, so around 87 years practicing. He's been a teacher to a lot of very well-known teachers. He's highly practiced. He's the real deal. He's not a lightweight. Right? <laughs> and we were talking to him couple of years ago, last year sometime, about meditation. And someone mentioned wandering mind. He said, oh, wandering mind. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. You just start again. Now, he's not saying it doesn't matter. He's not, there's no lack of dedication or sincerity in that never mind. But it can be a really useful attitude to... Um, cultivate when we notice wandering. Oh, never mind. I'll just start again. So we can be totally dedicated and sincere and also hold things with some quality of that lightness. Mind wanders. Never mind. It's okay. I'll just start again. Because we can always start again. I mean, we are golden in this practice because we in any moment we can start again. There's nothing that can happen, nothing that can mess us up so thoroughly that we can't begin again right now. It's very cool. If we notice as we go through the days here that we're struggling in some way And struggle is different from having to maybe summon a lot of energy and effort and and really tap into our reserves of of commitment and energy. That's not the same as struggle. Be careful there. But if we find that we're struggling in some way, grappling with our experience, that's a good time to kind of bring some interest in what's going on here. It's... It's an indication that maybe one of these um, difficult mental energies of the hindrances that uh, Max spoke about so uh, beautifully last night, that one or, uh, or maybe more, sometimes they all show up, multiple hindrance attack, oh, 
I hate that I'm so sleepy, but I'm too angry and restless to do anything about it, and it just fills me with doubt. Once in a while, we get slammed royally. (laughs) It can happen. (laughs) But it's often an indication that one of these difficult energies has arisen, and, and we're not seeing it. Because in and of themselves, as he was saying last night, they're not inherently a problem. But usually when we're struggling, it means we're, we haven't seen them. And so they're messing us up. That's their job, is to mess with us. And so, but if we see them, if we attend to them wisely, as the Buddha said in one teaching, then they have this, we transform them from obstacles to of obstacles to meditation and to objects of meditation. Great, no problemo. So uh, pay attention if you find that you're struggling. And it's really, really helpful, and I say this because it's been the case for me, to name them. Oh, doubt has arisen in me. This is doubt, anger. Desire is present. This has arisen in me. If we name it immediately, it's like the shamans say, if you know your adversary's name, you have a power. It's like that power. As soon as we are able to name the experience in that way, then there's enough space to possibly shift out of the struggle there. I find that really helpful. And, and to remember, these are, as Max was saying, these are universal, these things arise for all of us until we're completely, fully enlightened, at least little hints maybe now and then. So they're not, you know, we take them so personally. But they just show up. And whether we've been new, we've second, third retreat here, or we've been at it for 30 years, they show up at times. And if we've just come near the beginning days of, of a retreat, they often they get us then. They show up more frequently. But the mind that knows them is not affected by them. Like the, the mind that knows anger is not angry. The awareness of anger is not angry. The awareness of sleepiness, restlessness, is not sleepy or restless. You can rest back into that knowing at times. Time for a question or two, perhaps, if there are any this morning. The question was, any uh, reflections, perspectives on uh, practicing when when you're sick or getting sick? Uh, I read somewhere this one teacher said, you know, it's was saying, healthy people have, you know, sick people have so so much better, you know, like it's great to be practicing when you're ill. <laughs> we don't usually look at it that way, but um, it actually is. We have to bear certain things in mind. If we feel like we're getting sick, 
our energy is going to go down. So we need to really um, remember that we aren't going to have the energy that we have when we're healthy. So we, we may need to take more rest. We have to take care of ourselves. So it's really good to be, um, yeah, to be really careful. We're not trying to push ourselves when we are getting sick. We may do more practice in the reclining posture at that time. And um, keep things really more simple. Even keep them simple always. That's good advice generally, but maybe even more so. There may be uh, unpleasant feelings in the body may predominate at times when there's uh, when our, we're not doing well. Um, so that may become more, you know, with those feelings, with those sensations. Looking at um, our relationship to those, how the mind is holding all of it. Sometimes it's useful to, uh, I reflect sometimes when I'm, when I'm on retreat or meditating and I'm not well, it's good practice for when, we're, when we get really old, right? When we're probably not going to feel good more of the time. Our energy will be lower more of the time. We may have to uh, be lying down more. When we get really old, probably we will. So we can look at it that way. Oh, I'm, we can look at our whole meditation, everything. I'm just I'm practicing so that I'll, for when I'm getting ready to die, <laughs> Yeah, it may not be so uplifting. <laughs> you got to hold that in the right way. But actually, it's great. This one teacher, colleague, someone told me once about, he was practicing with uh, in Asia. I think he was in robes. And, and there was this old monk who was really mindful. And he, he was getting near the end of his life. And he was, I mean, really near. He called this, he brought my, this guy in. He said, hey, come sit with me. And he was able to describe as his faculties began to shut down as he was dying. He had that much mindfulness. Oh, this is happening. As he was getting to the really the end of his life, not in a few days, five minutes, you know, coming now. Imagine that equanimity and uh, clarity of mind. So we can remind ourselves when we're ill that we're, um, you know, we're practicing for those times when uh, inevitably, it's inevitably it will be harder for us to practice. And being sure that we're really taking care of ourselves, that we allow ourselves to be sick and to rest more and do what we need to do to care for the body health, body's health. Because good health and those of us who've struggled with sickness know what a blessing it is to be healthy. And so, and it's harder, for sure. It's harder to practice when we're not feeling well, but it's really um, still possible and good. And it sometimes can really keep us in the moment (laughs) more. Anything else? Mm-hmm. A question around how much to sleep. 
Uh, I may question you about what you mean by a transition, but um, I'll say something. This was going to be one of my late night secret teachings for those of you who come to the teaching, the metta chanting, but I'll give it to you because it's something I found really helpful over the years. When I decide it's time to go to bed, call it a day, um, and I lie down, I just feel the body in the lying posture, and sometimes I do metta then, a real simple, playful way in directions, put it out. But I bring a bring a, a reflection, almost kind of a resolve, into the mind. May I sleep as much as I need to so that my body uh, and mind are refreshed, so that I'm healthy. But let me not sleep too much out of being lazy or too little out of too much striving. Sleep what I need to sleep. If I bring that to mind once. May I sleep as much as I need to so that there's balance in the system and the body-mind are refreshed when I wake up. And then when I, if I wake up early, and not, not if I have to go to the toilet in the middle of the night, which happens more and more frequently, <laughs> but, but if I really wake up and I'm awake, I get up, even if it's quite early. Sometimes it's good to, you know, we may feel like it's the end of the day, and maybe we, uh, you know, the last sitting, whatever, maybe we get a drink or uh, do a little walking and then just take the posture again. Don't put a, I don't have to sit for any length of time. Schedule's gone. It could be two minutes. But I'll just take the posture again and see. And sometimes there's energy that arises that we surprises us. So we can check that out. Um, I've run out of time. Uh, I'm not sure if you meant the transition between practice and sleep uh, in that. Yeah, just like if you say we fix, I usually get X amount of sleep, maybe I'll cut it down. Yeah, you can try that and play with it, but I'd try this other method I suggested before I'd say, okay, going down to four and a half from five. (laughs) Really give yourself the the instruction, I'll sleep as much as I need to, but I'm not going to overindulge or underindulge. Underindulge? I don't know if there is underindulgence. <laughs> Do not underindulge today. <laughs> or overindulge. So one quick announcement. In the M200 room upstairs, the alternate sitting space, there, um, there's a, um, a schedule for when to enter and leave that room. It's 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after the hour, like quarter of nine, 9.15. So, um, and I think that's thoroughly posted. So please, um, please follow that rule. Makes it work for everybody. Anything else I need to say this morning? Um, just a quick reminder, Dhammaruan would prefer to have uh, questions that might come up for, he'll be doing this tomorrow morning's instructions, taking questions. If you have any questions, um, please, there's, I think it's, there's a place to put them and a note on the board. He'd like to have those in advance because sometimes it's hard for him uh, 
with his, his um, with English to uh, get the question clearly in the moment. So he asks, um, and hopefully there's not going to be 30 or 40 questions. <laughs> but if they're all in, he'll get to some of them. <laughs> Thank you. Practice questions. Yeah, practice questions, not, I don't know, <laughs> what's it like in Sri Lanka this time of year? <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.